0: Close quarters, up here. The gospel reading for this first Sunday of Advent, this uh, first Sunday of the new Christian year, has pushed us into the Gospel of Mark. And this is, as I warned you a few weeks ago, uh, one of those rather strange passages of Scripture that comes up this time of year. So, hear God's words to you from the 13th chapter.
1: But in those days, after that suffering, the sun
0: will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out angel, angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. From the fig tree learn the lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you will know that he is near, is at the very place. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place.
1: Heaven and earth will pass away,
0: but my word will not pass away. But about that day or that hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be aware, keep a word, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cock crow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all. Keep awake. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we are thick in the midst of it. I warned you that over the next several weeks, we were going to be hearing from what we refer to as apocalyptic literature, that strange end of the world kind of stuff. It talks about the second coming of Jesus. And that's particularly true when you move from year A in the Lectionary to year B, and that's precisely where we are. Lamar Williamson was a professor at Union Seminary in Virginia, and he writes the 13th chapter of Mark and has become a happy hunting ground for those who are fascinated by the Indian world. It figures prominently in books of doomsayers and in sermons of those who are more interested in the next world than in this one. On the other hand, this chapter is largely ignored by pragmatists, activists, and believers in Congress who dismiss the preoccupation with the end of the world as a juvenile state of human development and an aberration of unbalanced minds. And yet, here it is. Here is this piece in the Church of Scripture. What in the world is Jesus trying to say to modern Christians? And so I say to you, what's Jesus trying to say to us in this particular passage? It's cryptic, we understand that. But what does it mean? Advent starts today, you know that. Advent has been celebrated by the church almost from the beginning, and it was developed by Christians as a time when we could remember, when we could celebrate that first coming of the Lord Jesus in the World. It's a season of waiting, of recalling, of remembering. Those great prophecies that tell us about the coming of Jesus the first time. But as is so often the case, sometimes we become so preoccupied with the actual coming of Christmas that we forget the rest of the story. I fear that that's what happens to us in Advent. Some of you came here this morning wishing to sing Christmas carols. It's too soon. You don't sing Christmas carols till you get to Christmas. It's Advent, it's preparation, it's getting ready. Because if you're not ready, you cannot adequately celebrate Christmas. And just as the world waited for centuries for time to be right, for God to decide when He would send His Son into the world, so we find ourselves also in a position of waiting. And in this case, it's what we refer to as the Second Coming, the Second Advent. This time that the Scripture describes when Christ comes again. Now, I'm well aware that we mainline folk don't feel very comfortable with this. We don't want to talk about it. We want to pretend it's not in the scriptures a lot easier that way. We have left it to those who, well, those who want to project when and where and all the signs and all that stuff. But the New Testament is still with this language. Over 300 places talk about not just Jesus' first coming. Jesus returning, we can't ignore it. As in the first advance, Jesus comes to earth, and in his death and resurrection, the kingdom of God wins the struggle over sin and death. In his ascension, he receives the crown, but the coming of his spirit, the kingdom, receives power, and ultimately, in his coming, the kingdom is completed. But we don't want to talk about it. Why don't we hear about it in Presbyterian churches? Well, maybe occasionally. Once in a while, everybody else seems so caught up in, Oh, look at the world. You see all those things going wrong out there? It must be a sign. It must be a symbol. Well, we can't ignore it anymore. It's the today. And we've got to look at it. And I think the first place to really begin to understand a passage like this is when we take seriously a 32nd verse where Jesus reminds us that no one knows the day or the hour, not the angels in heaven, not even the Son, he's referring to himself, nobody but the Father. Advent is a season of anticipation, remembering, readiness, always be prepared. It's not just the Boy Scouts. It ought to be our Advent motto. Readiness, because nobody knows when the time of fruition will take place. Down through the history of the church, there have always been those who thought the time would be soon. Did you hear in the text today the assumption that it would occur within their lifetime? It was there. The Apostle Paul, early in his ministry, was convinced that the second coming of Jesus would happen while he was still alive. It's only the more mature Paul who later comes to understand that Jesus is always coming. Yes, there's this emergence of Jesus on earth, but Jesus is always coming into the hearts of believers. Jesus is always coming to receive a loved one in death or ourselves in death. But even that's not enough. For Jesus is also coming in that ultimate sense at that time when time itself draws to a close, and that time when none of us know what it will be. We begin to be so-called up in signs, wars, rumors of war, all those things, and I hear people, even us, who say the world has never been worse. It must be getting nearer. We don't know, do we? But I will remind you of this: every five hundred every 500 years or so, the church goes through precisely what the church is going through now. They did it in 500 AD. They did it in 1000 AD. They did it in 1500 AD, and now here we are in the second decade of the 21st century, and we're doing it again. It's like every 500 years or so, about 50, 75 years, the church becomes obsessed with when's Jesus coming back. What Jesus says is, "Take heed. You don't know." Be prepared. We can't ignore the biblical promise, but we also don't have to be so caught up in that worry about time that we fail to be able to do anything else. A second way we began to come to grips of the biblical understanding of the Second Advent is with Jesus' clear teaching that in one sense. The kingdom of God has all been started. Jesus himself told us that when he came to earth as he began to preach and teach, and certainly as he went through his death and then resurrection and then ascension, the kingdom of God had broken forth on earth. But it's not the completed kingdom. It's not the kingdom as it will ultimately be. It is the start of the kingdom my theology professor at the seminary was a fellow, he was a guy, whose name was Shirley Busby, some of you may have heard that name, one of the greats in the form of theology. And he used to say that this time between the inception of God's kingdom, the first coming of Jesus, and the completion of the kingdom when Jesus returns, is a little bit like what happened in the Second World War. And some of you are old enough to remember, most of us aren't. But on D-Day, the continent of Europe is invaded. And that spells absolutely the beginning of the end for the tyranny of Nazi Germany. It's going to happen. The question is when. And so he says the kingdom is like the time between D-Day and V-Day. You don't know how long it's going to take you don't know what will happen in between, there will be victories and losses, but know this, the king is returned and it will be his kingdom. The early church understood that not only must we always be prepared but we must watch. And that's part of what this text encourages us to do. Early Christians not infrequently, would arise at midnight just for a brief period of time to pray. And a part of the prayer of the early church that has continued into the church today of us don't pray is the words from Scripture Come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come, quickly. I don't know about you, but in my life, I'm open night most nice. I don't remember praying that prayer. but shouldn't. Sure, isn't that what we should be about? The minister said to his congregation, don't do anything you wouldn't want to be caught doing. Jesus returns. And I know that, that kind of language can be used to dump a lot of guilt on you, And I don't want that. But there's a sense in which it's true. We need to be those who are about the work of the kingdom in the here and the now. Not just occasionally, but make it the practice of life. We need to live as those whose life's priorities are the promise. Of this return. So, if the key word in the passage is watch, then its companion must be at work. <clears throat> there are still a number of people, as there were in the early church, who were so convinced that the ending would come soon that they quit their jobs and they sat around waiting for other people to take care of them. It happened this year here in the United States. But this life we're living is not just an interim. It is about faithful working with and for God to see some fruition of the kingdom of hell. One of my favorite stories, and if I've told it before, you'll forgive me, is in colonial New England. And one of the colonial legislatures are meeting, and you know. They they certainly understood science in those days, but not as well as we do, and there was a sudden eclipse that they were not prepared for. And so men, in those days they were all men, sitting in the assembly, some thought, it's the end of the world. And finally, one of the representatives stood up and said, Sir, if this is not the end of the world, and we leave, we're going to look like fools. If it is the end of the world, I prefer to be found doing my duty. I move, we bring in candles. Remember, there is a lot of candle in Christ's darkness. It's the same idea. Watch. Watch because this spirit of God is always at part. Of and that's why we work. God in us, moving us to take part this wonderful thing. I think a session thought, I hope y'all think, about preparing now for a year or 18 months from now to put in a clean water system someplace where people don't have water. Isn't that a wonderful idea? What if the end comes before we get there? Well, gee, we won't have to worry about it, (laughs) will we? But I prefer to be found doing my duty. We don't like to think of it much, but it really is true whether you're speaking religiously or scientifically, that the world and the universe is in some sense passing away. We understand from science that the time will come, not in our lifetimes, we don't expect, but sometime out there in the distant future, we can't even anticipate when our sun will go dark. Supernova, perhaps, we don't really know. It's happened before, it will happen again. But the truth is, the world, in all senses, is passing away. And if it's not the greater world, then our worlds are passing away. Whatever your age, at some point life comes to an end. Our worlds are passing away. And there is deep significance in this preparing, this watching, this working, this waiting for this return of Jesus for truly when that time comes Jesus comes to take us with him. Whether it's the end of the greater world, or whether it's the end of the world, we can see. stories is told of an older gentleman who was a faithful Christian, but it seemed like he had an inordinate amount of trouble in his life. You know, just one thing after another, even though it's something like that. And he was talking with people, and he said, Well, you know, in the Bible, it says in many places, And it came to pass. But it never says it came to sin. The troubles of life, the good things of life, all of it is transcendent. It never came to sin. For we're always moving on. The great value of the doctrine of the second coming is that it guarantees that history, all of history, ultimately is going someplace. We don't know when, we don't know where, but ultimately it is in the hands of a loving God who sends Jesus to us in the first place and then promises that at some point he will return and the kingdom will be fulfilled. When I look at the world around me, I long with those early Christians to pray, Come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come, Lord. Advent serves to remind us these events that lead us to the birth of Jesus. This grand entrance of the little baby to the manger of is really just the beginning. It's not an end. Because the time will come when we will celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he will reign forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.